This is the Intrepid 007 Podcast. And welcome back to the Intrepid 007 podcast. As promised, we are now into part two of Feeling Like Bond. And this episode is going to concentrate more on the physical aspects of Feeling Like Bond um, rather than the uh, aesthetic or aesthetic look of James Bond. Uh, So in the previous episode, we talked a lot about fashion uh, and the way Bond dresses. Um, not necessarily into the suits, but more of my personal um, opinion on how uh, certain everyday items can help you feel like Bond. Um, what maybe I didn't get into is things like suits and things like that. But I'm talking more in that episode about everyday looks for Bond and the more casual Bond because we have to understand we're not all um, in the business world. We're not all... Uh, people who need to wear a suit every day and I do understand that there are people who are like that who do and can wear a suit every day uh, I certainly did wear dress shirts and ties for uh, for a very long time in an office world as I had mentioned and you know there are certain looks that help you feel like Bond there too but as the current office environment in which I'm working at has gotten more casual I've, you've got to kind of go to the more casual looks and I think that's what really embodies what my last podcast was about is trying to find that casual bond look and finding it for something that's reasonably priced as well. We don't want to break the bank on um, on things like that as Bond fans. Some of us do have that ability and some of us have that luxury to be able to break the bank and, and get those high ticket items and all power to you. If you want to get the Oral Bar Brown, we've seen the uh, whole collection come out recently, um, but at the same time, uh, there's some things that you know might be out of your everyday man's price range especially for you know for me i've got three kids um you know mortgage and all that and um i joked about this with jeff weibo from uh james bond canada um who is currently or at the time of this recording in portugal and switzerland celebrating on her majesty's secret service 50th anniversary with george lazenby and a little anecdote on that um i actually missed out on meeting jeff and george um as recently as two years ago when George was here uh, in Quebec City promoting his uh, movie Becoming Bond and as well they had screened on Her Majesty's Secret Service um, in, the, in in one of the town squares and I was oblivious to the fact that on Her Majesty's Secret Service was being screened in the evening and I completely blew my chance to first of all meet uh, Jeff and eat supper with George as he he got the chance to do so the lucky duck has been able to do it twice shout out to you guys uh, at James Bond Canada Um, shout out also before we get going here too deep into it to my friends over at the James Bond complex je suis vraiment désolé Edgar je pensais que ton nom était Gérard et je voulais vraiment pas me tromper dans ma dernière épisode alors je suis vraiment désolé euh, d'avoir mélangé ton nom euh, et de, de, de pas vous, euh, vous faire le petit shout out que j'aurais dû vous faire alors euh, j'espère que <laughs> j'espère que tu me pardonnes um, so just saying there that um, I missed out on or I messed up on the last 
uh, episode of the podcast and I had gotten uh, Edgar from James Bond Complexes. Um, the name had just left my, my had left me. I, I completely forgot what his name was and I was sure it was Gerald and I didn't want to um, mess it up. So just apologizing for that. I hope he forgives me. Uh, so getting right into it, feeling like James Bond, I've uh, actually written on some of this on my blog, on the WordPress blog um, in regards to some of the aspects, the physical aspects that I think are important to feel like James Bond. One of those physical aspects, um, before really getting into um, some other subjects, getting into some of the things that we see in the novels and in the movies, uh, and things that I find that are easily attainable. As I mentioned in the last podcast, um, I was talking about some of the easable, easily attainable looks from Bond, uh, the blue polo, the khaki or white colored jeans with a blue faced watch. Um, if you go on to Bond Lifestyle, they've recently come out with a whole page on the alternate or similar watches to uh, the Omegas and the um, Rolexes. And I know that for the Rolex submarine, Submariner, like I had mentioned in the last podcast, Timex makes one, but there is a very good selection of Casio watches for the blue-faced Omega copies there. So if you want to check that out, um, it's a good resource to find uh, that. So in feeling like Bond, now we've got the clothes, we've got the outfits, um, we've got you know certain the brands that are that are affordable um well what's next what can we do more to feel like james bond in our everyday life uh well there are certain sports that bond does and there are certain things that bond does physically that are easily obtainable uh and that are easily done um i've recently taken up golf uh, about two years ago, I started golf lessons, um, and now I'm not too deep into it. I've only played a handful of times, but I've been taking lessons for quite a bit now. Um, I'm actually playing golf. At the time of this recording, I'll be playing golf in a week's or so time, um, actually a little less than a week. Um, and golf is one of those things that we might not think is easily uh, obtainable or easily uh, done because we all think, well, you need clubs, you need this, you need to spend three, four hundred dollars on on equipment, etc. And it's not necessarily true because um, when I went and got my recent set of clubs, I spent maybe sixty dollars uh, for a whole bag of clubs, and this was a deal. I got it on uh, Kijiji. I'm not sure what you guys have um, all around um, where you guys are at, but. Um, Kijiji or eBay or you don't have to buy brand new clubs. Brand new clubs will set you back $300, $400. And if you uh, are a fan of Top Gear, Top Gear had done the study of whether it was cheaper to run a rally car or play golf. And well, they reasoned that running a rally car was cheaper, but you could actually run golf for very cheap because it, all in all, the investment that I've made into golf has only been in maybe a hundred, couple, a couple hundred dollars, including the lessons, including a new bag of clubs. And like I said, the bag of clubs I bought, um, about $60 got me my full set of woods, my full set of irons, uh, a putter. I've picked up a wedge. And if this is all, you know, Chinese to you, basically your clubs are all divided into different sizes and different types of club heads. Now for the basic ones and for what I had been educated with previously is you've got three woods. So basically you've got your driver, which is your largest quote unquote wood, which would be technically your one wood. Um, even though they're not made of wood anymore and mine is actually made out of carbon fiber. Um, you've got your three and your five quote-unquote woods, which are usually some sort of titanium or metal alloy 
these are your larger club heads, and these are the ones you're looking to hit the ball at more distance. Then you've got your irons, which you are going to be hitting at a farther distance uh, or a shorter distance, but not necessarily playing what we call the short game. The short game is when you're close enough to the hole, but not close enough to be able to use a putter. Um, so with the irons, you've got them ranging from one, and they're all in odd numbers going up to nine. Nine, and, and the, sorry, the numbers, the lower the number, <clears throat> excuse me, the lower the uh, angle of the club head. So a nine is actually a pretty open club head and then you fall into your wedges. Um, so you've got your sand wedge, your pitching wedge, and they can all be used for, for different purposes. I don't have a set of clubs that have a great variety of wedges just because I don't play often enough to merit a, a, a golf bag that has very uh, deep uh, differences in clubs. Um, I do have a hybrid club and that was dumped in the bag and a hybrid club I've been told can be used for different purposes. Um, I've never had to use my hybrid, um, but it is a club that can be used uh, in your short game. Um, and so basically the way I got into golf is I had played golf a little bit in high school and then when um, a couple of years ago I wanted to get into it more um, as a pastime and so I started taking lessons and um, at about $10 a lesson got me pretty far. Um, it was cheaper than going to hit balls in a, a bucket of balls at a, a driving range with no instruction at all. So I had an instructor who was actually um, amateur uh, CPGA golfer. So it was kind of that benefit he teaches at the local university. So um, it was kind of the benefit of getting a professional look at golfing, which was uh, very advantageous because I, I learned to uh, hit better. And which is odd for me because um, I'm a natural left-handed hockey player and um, at baseball I also hit left although I throw right and I write with my right hand um, I'm also able to golf right rather than left which um, is an advantage for me because clubs are more easy to find um, so like I said at the time of this recording I'm going golfing um, with uh, with work on a work tournament um, and this is where the Top Gear folks kind of made the distinction of what the cost of golf is high is, is club membership um, the fact is you don't have to join a club uh, there's no obligation for you to be part of a, uh, a member of a golf club to be able to enjoy the sport of golf uh, I've gone and I've shot a par 3 9 holes um, for not very much, and I'm not a member of that club. And where I'm going uh, with with work, I'm not a member of that club either. And I can probably go in three, four weeks' time and play nine holes with a buddy and not be a member of that club. So the kind of exclusivity of playing in a club kind of nullifies it. And even at that, if I just want to go out and have a pitcher of beer with a friend and, and hit some balls, you're still enjoying the sport of golf without having to play nine holes, and you're not limited to being a member of a club. You could just go to any whichever driving range, pay your money, get a bucket of balls, spend an afternoon, and you're good to go. The advantage with golf as well 
is you can smoke a cigar while you're golfing. So for me, that's just the perfect way to spend um, a sunny afternoon, and that's how I plan to spend it with uh, with this tournament. Um, and if you've seen on my Instagram page, my recent outing at the Société Cigal on Grand Allée in Quebec City, I was lucky enough to win a golf clip for cigars um so i'll have pictures of that in use on my instagram page probably before this podcast comes out so moving along we've learned that golf is uh something that's absolutely attainable as a bond related activity as we see bond clearly on screen and in the novels playing golf in goldfinger he tries to get around to it in Under Magic Secret Service. That doesn't quite work out for him. But in Goldfinger, um, it's a pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, moment in the film and in the books. It's a very important part of both, um, and so it, it's deeply planted in there. And throughout Goldfinger, they also mention that Bond plays often with Tanner. So it's also a kind of colleague, comrade um, thing, kind of a male bonding kind of thing you could say. Um, when I was thinking about golf, what I was also trying to compare it with in the same idea as what Top Gear did was comparing uh, golf and outfitting for golf with paintball. And that brings me to my next um, kind of bond skill. And this is kind of a theme that I had going with my written blogs. Um, I've played paintball quite a few times in my life. I started when I was... 16 or 17 is when I played the first time and I didn't play again until I was 30 um, and I've only played a handful of times since then and it's always been something that's been interesting to me and also it's the exercise of how much will this cost to be able to do this on the regular and actually uh, golf is actually easier to do as a cost-effective sport to get into than paintball because paintball will run you about 45 to 50 dollars every time you play and that's using rented equipment and that's uh you know non-membership uh sometimes it's higher when you're a non-member depends where you go um so the idea was if i pay a hundred dollar or 120 dollar per year membership and i got my own gear would it eventually become cost effective for me to do and when i had done this exercise i had played and i have not played since then so the answer is no if i had started to pay for a yearly membership and i had gone out and started outfitting myself in paintball gear it would not be a um a good investment uh, not to say that paintball isn't an exciting game and exciting to play because I absolutely did love it and there is a lot there for a Bond fan believe it or not um, in the intro to um, the Timothy Dalton movie The Living Daylights there is a scene where Bond is arriving in Gibraltar and they're doing an exercise and they're actually uh, doing this exercise using paintball Military simulations rely on paintball for some steps. Uh, paintball guns are actually used in some cases for rubber bullets. There is um, a lot of paintball rifles that are actually can be modeled after actual guns. If you look at everything that's made by Tipman, Tipman makes um, the A5 and the X7 modular um, paintball guns. 
Now, if you think of what you, what you're thinking of in your head as a paintball gun, you're probably thinking of something that's similar to the Tipman 98 models. Those are the ones you see most frequently at paintball fields um, as their rental guns. Uh, Tipman is a big company involved in paintball and their A5 and their X7 are basically models that are made to be modular and they're made to be customized. So with both models, you can actually um, remove that big kind of Coke bottle looking hopper from the top and have a smaller hopper on the side to load your balls. Um, they also do make certain models that are magazine fed to have that more realistic feel. But for the most part, the advantage of the both these two rifles is that they are able to be customized to look like rifles that are already on the market in the same idea as, say, an AK-47. Think getting some, you know, Cold War and Brosnan vibes. Um, there's actually one that can be outfitted to look like a UMP nine millimeter, uh, just like the the H and K that uh, Casino Royale has at the, or sorry, Daniel Craig has at the end of Casino Royale. Um, you can have it look like uh, an M16. You can have it look like the gun of your choice. Uh, there are many customizable options, and some of these options are actually available for the 98 as well. So you can kind of customize the look of the gun you want for what you want to do. Some of the other options as well is uh, you want to look like Bond, you want to look like Timothy Dalton or, or Pierce Brosnan, a black flight suit, and you're there. You're, you're literally right there with a black flight suit because that's kind of what uh, Trevelyan and uh, Bond are wearing at the beginning of GoldenEye. That's absolutely what um, Timothy Dalton is wearing at the beginning of The Living Daylights. This is, these are, are, are easy hacks to start doing paintball and to look like Bond at the same time and to feel like Bond at the same time because this is what Bond does um, in that same vein as paintball so now paintball is a viable option to feel like Bond something you can do occasionally it's something that you can absolutely get into and do uh, on the regular if you want to pay the membership fees and you've got some of that uh, money to burn one of the other options as well as I forgot to mention is um, there are paintball pistols that exist as well and RAP4 actually makes a P99 paintball pistol it doesn't use standard paintball um, pellets it uses a smaller pellet and it actually can be equipped to use rubber bullets and this is what police use as training guns uh, when they're training on the P99 so the um, P99 by RAP4 you can get smaller paintball bullets or pellets or whatever they call them um, so you can actually live like Bond with the handgun Tipman makes a bunch of handguns as well. Um, you can have them in a variety of options, and there's all kinds of setups that you can do with it to to kind of maximize. And when I had looked at everything, even if we were going to buy used items and etc., um, it's still a, a pretty good investment to put into it. But um, had I had more time to do it, um, I've got three kids and I coach baseball all summer. So uh, paintball in the summer um, would not be possible for me because I'm always at a baseball park uh, pretty much every weekend. Um, golf is a little easier because I don't have to golf every weekend uh, because you don't have to have a membership. So I can golf three, four times in a summer and I'm good to go. Sticking with paintball and going into that vein, one of the other Bond things that you can do to feel like Bond um, is to shoot an actual firearm. And if you've never done this, um, even if you're not a gun nut or a gun fanatic or if you're not really into guns, shooting a gun 
um, is a com- is something that I think as a Bond fan you kind of need to experience. And I was um, working not necessarily part time, but helping out a local uh, long range gun club who was shooting at the military base um, not far from here. And uh, at one point, when they were doing their shooting competitions, one of the uh, well, the president of the club that I was that I was helping out uh, asked me if I wanted to shoot. And this was a rifle that we were shooting um, 600 meters, possibly was yards, but uh, it works out to the same thing. But shooting a target 600 meters away with a high-powered rifle, um, you're not going to ex- really experience that anywhere else. The kickback of the butt into your shoulder, the the noise, the sound, the smell, that's something that you're only going to experience once. Um, I've shot guns maybe only a handful of times in my life. Um, living in Montreal and Quebec City, there's not really a necessity to own a gun. I don't hunt, um, so it's it's not necessarily something that that's... An intelligent option, but when I have shot a gun, I've, I mean, I've shot um, long rifle. I've also shot, uh, I believe it was a Ruger pistol a very long time ago. Um, so I've shot both, and I think it's something that as a Bond fan, you just need to experience at least once. I know that there are some gun ranges that exist out there that you can actually go in and rent a gun um, and uh, experience it for the day, which I think is something that's um, an interesting option as well and if you're interested in seeing how the bond guns shape up and and you're interested in that sort of thing follow the bond armory on um instagram uh and on youtube uh ray is absolutely great on that he's very knowledgeable in regards to the whole world of um, the bond firearms and uh great videos over there so if you're interested in the firearms of james bond that's probably one of the things to check out um going from you know, uh, military simulation, uh, paintball, uh, shooting real guns. Let's talk about self-defense. Um, in the novels, James Bond is an expert in hand-to-hand combat. He actually writes a uh, manual for the MI6 called uh, Alive, which was his uh, judo training manual or judo-based training manual for self-defense. This is something that I've gotten into more recently. Um, I wasn't really big on martial arts when I was a kid. When the UFC kind of rolled around, I kind of, or not rolled around, but when I started getting into the UFC, um, grew tired of pro wrestling and the WWF and all the changes they made. (laughs) I got into pro wrestling. Um, Yeah, sorry, I got into the UFC afterwards. and before my 30th birthday, I was uh, dead set on getting into shape. So I started Taekwondo. And this is kind of where I made my first mistake. Um, I really wanted to kind of feel like Bond then as well. Um, and I wanted to learn a martial art or I wanted to learn self-defense. So I went with what was the closest to me, which was a Taekwondo. And um, the problem with the Taekwondo experience that I had, and, and I don't want to bash Taekwondo and I don't want to have, I don't want to say anything against it because as a martial art, I absolutely respect it and I absolutely respect the technique and everything that goes into it, but it wasn't for me. It was a lot of kicks I wasn't a guy who was very much in shape. Um, I'm still not that great in shape, Um, but you know, I wasn't very flexible. I come from a hockey and baseball background, and I hadn't been active in sport for quite some time. So, 
it was hard getting into and um i was kind of discouraged because the advancement of the class wasn't going really that quickly and with taekwondo all of the kicks and all of the combinations are all in korean and when you're trying to learn korean words by someone who is very soft-spoken and not korean and you're not understanding the pronunciation of the words and you can't really make the difference between one kick or the other um that was really discouraging really fast so i didn't do taekwondo for very long and i didn't pick up another martial art until about two years ago when i started doing karate with my oldest son um so i've been doing that for a while now uh almost two years and i do that with my oldest son and my uh, middle child who is my youngest son as well we we all three of us do karate um my oldest is a purple belt i'm the orange belt and so is my my youngest son um and this is it's, it's a completely different thing because we do kempo karate so if you're not familiar with karate karate is a generalized term for japanese and chinese martial arts um and then, then is sub divided into all the different styles so there's uh shinzu ryu um Kosho, Ryu, and there's a bunch of different variations. And then there's American Kempo. And American Kempo was split into two from there. There's the Ed Parker American Kempo. And if you think you've heard that name before, it's because that's the karate style that Elvis uses. And then there's the Nick Serio Kempo, which is the one that we do, and it's a very popular one here in Quebec City. Um, I know it's in some parts of Montreal too, but um, it, it's big here in Quebec City. And the Kempo style is a combination of karate, uh, so it is what they call soft and hard, and soft being open hand and hard being closed hand, so um, the, the soft being more. Um, jiu-jitsu kind of style and the hard being the more boxing style uh, and with the the kicks and the punches and you know arm bars and such and so that's the style that you know i've gotten grown to 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 like i know that there are other different ones that exist um uh, we fall under the kosho ryu organization um so we kind of branch off from there um, the other styles that are really uh, popular are the Shotokan, which um, Montreal native George St. Pierre of the UFC uh, is the one that he uses that style. Um, but regardless of the style that you use, and regardless of whether it's karate or it's judo, because Bond practiced judo, I think that it's important to find something that you enjoy. Uh, what's popular nowadays is, you know, jiu-jitsu or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And there's a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu that you can do without a gi, so you don't have to show up in, in a costume uniform. You can actually just, you know, t-shirt and yoga pants and go for it. Um, so it's a lot more accessible because of the UFC and because of mixed martial arts. Uh, there's a lot of mixed martial arts schools out there that'll teach you everything. So I think to feel like Bond, to be able to be or to, to be able to fight with hand-to-hand -hand combat or at least defend yourself, I think it's an important skill for you to obtain. And I, not necessarily that I feel like Bond when I'm doing karate, but I feel that if I was ever in a situation where I had to defend myself um, and I'm wearing you know a tuxedo, I could do it and I would feel like Bond. Um, so I think that's an important aspect. Another important aspect of feeling like James Bond, I believe, um, 
in regards to the physicality of it is um, probably swimming. I'm a horrible swimmer, but I think that it's important for um, the kind of aesthetic as well. Um, we've got with the Daniel Craig era a lot of bathing suits, and I was discussing this with Matt from uh, James Bond Complex just recently about the Orlo Bar Brown collection of uh, swimsuits. So um, they've got a lot of suits that are out there. The Oral Bar Brown has actually done a lot of reissues of or, or copies or interpretations of classic bathing suits. We get them with um, Skyfall as well. They made uh, the swimsuit for that. They've made uh, ones that harken back to the uh, Connery era. Um, so there's there's kind of this resurgence in, in men's bathing suits so they're not the tacky board shorts you get at walmart anymore um they've kind of got more refined suits uh, that aren't speedos either uh except for the ones in casino royale which um although a little bit longer than a speedo it's not something that i can pull off with my current frame that is maybe the goal to look like daniel craig in casino royale and be able to pull off those extremely short shorts coming out of the water but um but that look and that aesthetic i think is important i think you know when you're enjoying a swim you're in the anytime you're on a beach and you're a bond fan um, you're going to feel like James Bond in, in, in a one sense or another. Um, another thing that to feel like Bond is, is, of course, traveling. So as simple as going to the beach and going to a nice beach, you might feel like Bond because there's so many scenes where Bond's on the beach. So if you're Bond girls in a nice bikini and you're wearing you know some pale blue shorts, you probably are going to feel like James Bond just a little bit. So going on from that... We have to talk about the Bond 25 Fitness Challenge, and I'm going to end on this. I know I've spoken about it in the prior weeks, so there is a hashtag, uh, hashtag Bond 25 Fitness Challenge. Everyone in the Bond community seems to want to get into shape before Bond 25, and I think it's a novel idea. I think it's an attainable idea for the most of us because there is just under a year to do it, and I think that if we all rally together and we all support each other, we can do it. Now, I know that David Zaritsky, as he is headlining the whole thing over at the Bond Experience, has been releasing videos after videos, and he's got programs, and he's got resources, and he's got his ideas of it, and that's fine. I think that's a great idea. I think that he needs to, and we need to, look into that and promote it, Um, but know that it's these kind of things aren't for everybody and out of personal experience i've tried p90x recently and everyone tells me oh p90x you're just going to melt away and yes p90x helps with a lot of things and i like a lot of the p90x exercises at the same time as a father of three children and um with the realities of that it's hard to work out six days a week in a row it's very hard to stick to a specific nutrition plan. It's hard to stay away from temptation. It's hard to stay away from that bottle of Macallan. It's hard to stay away from a uh, nice Heineken every once in a while. These things are difficult. It's let's admit it to ourselves. Um, going into the Bond 25 Fitness Challenge, let's admit the hard things to ourselves first. Um, sometimes we don't eat well. Sometimes we eat badly. I eat badly on the weekends. I snack too much. I eat too late. I eat too much salt. I eat too much fat. I eat too much sugar. I don't get enough vegetables. Um, These are all things that I know. And um, I've seen a nutritionist, so I've got a plan. 
and sometimes it's just it's just hard to follow it every single day and that's what i find the the hardest in maintaining and losing weight so with the bond 25 fitness challenge i am setting goals for myself to try and get my weight down but it's not necessarily about the weight on the scale the numbers that i'm concerned with it is the body fat percentage that i'm concentrating on the most i have got a body fat scanner that's attached to my elliptical so i'm following that pretty closely and so the two things i kind of want to do is i want to get back under 200 pounds because i've been over 200 for too long now and i want to get under uh 25 body fat which um, I haven't been in a very long time. So those are my two goals for the Bond 25 Fitness Challenge. I'm looking forward to my summer vacation. It's at the end of August. I know when I'm going to a beach. Uh, so that's going to be one of my kind of first goals. I think I can get under 200 before the end of August. And my bigger goal is to get into really great shape for when I go to Cuba um, next spring um so i think it's important to kind of set goals but kind of long-term goals and goals that not necessarily are easy to obtain but goals that aren't impossible we've got to be at the same time as being hard and at the same time as giving ourselves are 100 percent in achieving these goals sometimes we have to look at the harsh realities and we have to look at the harsh truths it's not going to be easy there is nothing about getting in shape that's easy. It's it's difficult. There are going to be challenges along the way. We've got to educate ourselves and keep ourselves educated and keep ourselves on track and on point and try our best and to not give up. That's the most important thing is to not give up. So I'm going to leave you all on that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm keeping them around a 30 minute range i want to make it easy for you guys to listen to me on your commute um so if you have any questions comments or violent reactions feel free to give me a shout on my instagram page double seven underscore intrepid um or visit me on the web at intrepid double seven dot wordpress.com thank you and have a nice one And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Intrepid 007 podcast. Please, if you're not already doing so, follow us on Instagram at 007 underscore Intrepid. I'm also on WordPress. You can see my blog there at intrepid007.wordpress.com. Of course, you're listening to this podcast. You're obviously listening to us either on SoundCloud or via iTunes or Spotify. Tune in next time. The Intrepid 007 podcast will return.